Hello and welcome to Take Cover Seattle Storm podcast, your source for game analysis and news with your host, Andrew McDonald. Take cover! It's the Seattle Storm Podcast with your host, that's me, Andrew McDonald, and in this episode we're getting stuck into the game versus the Minnesota Lynx from the 15th of June 2022, and we'll start off with a discussion of the Minnesota Lynx and how they've been doing so far this season, then get stuck into the game itself, and then wrapping off with a discussion of the percentages and a little bit of stats and what we need to focus on for the next game. So let's get stuck into, first of all, our discussion of the Minnesota Lynx and how they're doing so far this season, which at the minute, the Minnesota Lynx aren't doing very well at all, unfortunately, with sitting at a three wins to 11 losses so far this season. What has ultimately gone wrong with the Lynx? And got a nice bit of information here from Mitchell Hansen's article precisely on that topic from Winsider, in which the main gist of the article is that it's due to constant injuries and absences causing a continually changing floor rotation of who is on the court at a given time has all caused that flux and problems for the Minnesota Lynx this season. So let's get our toes into a little bit on the injury side of things. Who is out for the Minnesota Lynx? Is currently missing Nafisa Collier the entire season now due to maternity leave. They were missing Damaris Dantis with a foot injury at the start of the season, but so far has then made her season debut on the 10th of June. Then we now have with Sylvia Fowles out indefinitely with a cartilage injury in her right knee with a complete unknown timeline for her return, if she can even make it back this season or not. Then we have Moira Jefferson who's missed time with the injuries but's also returned on June 10th. Then we had Ariel Powers and Jessica Shepard suffered broken noses and also that Kayla McBride has dealt with a quad contusion and is now dealing with an ongoing foot injury. So one thing after the other on the injury front for the Lynx. As it says here from a quote, the Lynx have sent out 10 different starting lineups and players are struggling to find their groove in this ever-changing rotation. And got a nice quote here from Arena Brassbrook, which states, It's hard to adjust quickly and on the fly. It's hard when I have a hundred million things going on through my mind. I'm new to this and I'm trying to figure it out. At the same time, my teammates know what I'm going through. They know what I'm thinking. They know what I'm feeling. They just don't want me to think as much and just go and play. As the games have gone by, I felt more comfortable. It's been a long learning process, but I'm taking it day by day. So, overall then, for the Lynx, this season, not a great start. Due to all that flux in the players coming in, to play together and of course they've had really no any time for those players to gel together does this seem kind of similar to our situation for the storm 
Kind of, doesn't it? It seems in a way in which the Storm's not really had our key lineup of Sue, Jewel, and Stewie on the floor for very long at all, and we want that lovely lineup to gel with our key pieces in there of Gabby and Ezzy. So, let's get stuck into the game itself with the unfortunate news, of course. Oh no, please no, that Sue. Given the fact that she's came back, is now off with a non-COVID-related illness. So, oh my goodness, let's hope that Sue gets back as soon as possible. Because we're going to see a big impact in the game as well, what happened minus having Sue there. And I'm going to do a bit at the end of what was the difference plus Sue being there. Got the nice stats to back that up. Shows how much efficiently everybody plays once Sue is actually there and distributing the ball about. So, let's get into the game itself. Starting off then with our starting lineups with the Storm. Jewel Lloyd, Brianne January, Brianna Stewart, Gabby Williams, Ezzy Magbagor. Then for the links we have Moira Jefferson, Ariel Powers, Kayla McBride, Damaris Dantis and Nic Nicolina Milic. So, let's get stuck then into the first quarter of what happened in the first quarter. Is that we had a back and forth, you score, I score start to this game. But we had some great defensive highlights from the Storm from that first quarter. What are some of those great defensive highlights? Is that we had an Ezzy steal on a bad pass from Aero Powers. As well as a block on Nicolina Milic. Then we also had a Gabby Williams steal on a bad pass from Rachel Bannum. However, for the first quarter, it ultimately went a bit pear-shaped, as we might say here in the UK, in which the Lynx went on a 15-5 run to end the quarter. What did that consist of? Ariel Powers making a float and jump shot, Rachel Bannum making a two-point shot, Nikolina Milic making a layup, gets fouled and gets a free throw, Jessica Shepard makes a layup, Nikolina Milic gets a two-point shot, Rachel Bannum gets a pull-up jump shot, and Kayla McBride makes a tip shot. So, all tons of shots, 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 everything gone in. Oh my goodness me, what an end to the quarter for the Lynx. Then we get stuck into the second quarter with a hot start for the Lynx, continuing on their groove that they're on, in which they have a 7-0 run, which then consisted of Kayla McBride getting a three-pointer, then Ariel Powers driving floater, then Jessica Shepard's layup. So, one of the key things that was happening in the game between the first and the second as well, is that the Lynx were getting lots and lots of points in the paint. So, they were driving a lot into the paint or passing to their bigs in the paint to get it in as you would do. Lovely jubbly. However, in the second half, was really a big problem for the Storm is that they started to settle for three-point shots. Then you say to me, okay, give me the stats for that. And the stats would say, you're okay. Because the stats actually say, of the three-point shots that they took, which is eight, they actually made four. So four out of eight, they made 50%, right? Not bad. Actually really good. However, if you go back and you have a look at the shot chart, then the shot chart would actually say there's a lot of shot attempts that actually are counted as two-pointers because they're all on the line. 
or just touching the line. So out of those eight shots that's there, all around the arc, basically, there is 11 shots in total. And then overall for the second, there was 22 shots. So half of those shots overall for 11 out of 22 was either those three-point shots or touching the, the actual arc itself for the long two-point shot, as you might say. And it was a painful thing to watch because it was just literally almost like walk up, take a shot, next possession, move it about a bit around the perimeter, take a perimeter shot, another perimeter shot. And it's like, oh my goodness, everything just feels so static offensively. What happened to the great ball movement? What happened to the great player movement? Why is everybody just settling for all these three-point shots? And it really made me think of game four, the NBA finals. What happened there was that you had the game come quite close down between the Celtics and the Warriors to a few points where the Celtics had to catch up. And what ultimately made the Celtics lose the game was that they started to just jack up three-point shots every single offensive possession. So therefore, nothing there really happens offensively. And then the defense is just allowing for those three-pointers to be taken because really none of them are hitting in whatsoever. So then you end up in that situation of, oh, please, please, please take another shot. And even the broadcast were saying, like, they're really becoming just so highly reliant upon this three-pointer hopefully they start to move the ball more inside and thankfully once we get out of the half that's what started to happen so let's get into the halftime score then of the storm at 39 compared to the links at 46 some of the halftime stats that we had the main one from the broadcast is how amazing that the Minnesota Lynx was shooting at 56.8% for field goals. On the opposite side, what they didn't tell you for the storm was that we were shooting at 35%. And then for the three pointers for the first and second actually were at 50% overall for the storm at 7 out of 14 and that the Lynx are actually shooting a bit worse at 25%, but they're taking much less threes because they've only took eight overall and only made two at eight. So therefore, you get your nice 25%. For the assists at the half, we have the Storm just slightly behind the Lynx. The Storm's at 12 compared to the Lynx at 15. And then the same story for when we come in to look at rebounds. The Storm's at 16 with the Lynx just slightly ahead at 19. So coming into the third quarter, no surprise at how it started. The Storm started settling for those horrible three-point looks to start with in which you're sitting there going oh please we're not going to get a whole quarter of this again are we and which thankfully midway through the third everything started to get more aggressive for the storm in which they then started to get into the paint in which we have some great plays from that in which we have a great pass from Jewel to Stewie who's driving to the paint and then Stewie gets the two, gets fouled and makes the layup 
as well as we have another pass from Stewie to Jewel, which is a lovely big one in which Jewel was way ahead, in which she then gets the easy one on the inside. And then we have another awesome pass to Ezzy driving in there for the two for the layup. And then the storm went on a 14 to 4 run in the third quarter. Hooray! We've got something that then happens to us offensively and it's all starters as well when we start to drive that ball on the inside what that consists of for that 14 to 4 run is precisely a dual lloyd three-pointer and she also makes that alley-oop pass from stewie as we said stewie then gets a layup gets fouled makes a free throw she gets fouled again makes one out of two free throws Ezzy makes a layup, Jewel makes a driving layup, gets fouled and makes a free throw. But then the Lynx gets the lead back to end the quarter at a 7-2 run, which consists of Damaris Dantas layup, Bridget Carlson three-pointer and a Jessica Shepard layup. So then we end the third quarter with the score of Storm at 59 compared to the Lynx at 61. Interesting to note as well here that the broadcast also mentioned something interesting and is that the last couple of games of the previous wins that the Storm's actually been playing more on the inside and focusing less upon the three-point shot. I wonder if that's the Sue effect in a given way there that once we have Sue there the Storm's not being so reliant upon just jacking up threes but then actually having that player movement and ball movement in which you then have higher looks on the inside like all the backdoor cuts that was happening and things like that. So let's get stuck into the fourth quarter then what happens in the fourth is we have a back and forth star and we have an absolutely, has to be highlighted, amazing first half of the quarter. It all has to be put upon Epiphany Prince and those four three-point shots that she made. Epiphany Curry Prince, right? In which sense of just every three-pointer that Epiphany was hitting, it was just seeming to just go straight in. It was absolutely amazing to see. So she hits those big four three-point shots to kick us off for that first half of the fourth quarter but also then with the storm for these last few games and for most of the season now as well we can say well what happened is that we end up with a one point game with just over five minutes to go what does that consist of is that we have an epiphany prince three-pointer to kick us off then the Lynx go into a timeout. Kayla McBride misses a two-point shot. Gabby Williams gets a rebound. Moira Jefferson steals the ball on a bad pass for Brianne January. Kayla McBride makes a two-point shot. Stewie makes a jumper. Jessica Shepard misses a two-point shot. So then we have a better back and forth with neither side scoring until Kayla McBride gets a technical foul. Then Stewie makes a free throw. Jewel misses a floater, Gabby gets the rebound, Brianne January has a bad pass and the ball goes out of bounds, Jessica Shepard misses the jump shot, Ariel Powers gets the rebound, gets fouled and makes both free throws, Ezzy misses a layup, Jessica Shepard gets the rebound and then Kayla McBride hits the huge three to tie the game at 
79 to 79 with 52 seconds to go. Oh my goodness, those clutch time ladies, the clutch time storm, they're here all over again. <laughs> In which we have to come down to the absolute most clutch of the clutch moments to win the game. So let's focus upon this 52 seconds. What happened? We have a storm timeout. Then we have Stewie hitting a layup. Moira Jefferson missing the layup. Gabby Williams getting the rebound. Jewel running down some of the clock. Jewel misses the drive and layup. And then Stewie gets the rebound. And then the clock runs out. And the Storm win. Hooray. Whew. The clutch time ladies come out all over again to win us another game. Absolutely amazing. And one of those things in which we're just starting to have heart palpitations at this point. Woo! Just every single time it comes down to those just last few moments and last few seconds of the game. But in this last few seconds of the game and so forth, we've proven to be winners. As we said in the last episode, it does very much seem like the Dark Knight Rises where the Storm is currently Bane, in which they are born in the clutch, live in the clutch, and are quite happy in the <laughs> in the clutch there. But we are winning in the clutch, and that's what's important as well. So, let's get stuck into our overall summary of the game. Then we have Brianna Stewart at 29 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. Jewel Lloyd at 14 points, 2 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal. Ezzy Magmagor, 9 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. Gabby Williams, what an absolute game, even though she didn't score very highly at 4 points, it did not matter whatsoever. Why is that? Because she had 10 rebounds and 8 assists, as well as getting that 1 steal in there as well. So absolutely amazing numbers for Gabby Williams, shows all the amount of hustle that she had, and all the amount of energy that she had in the game. Then off the bench as well, we had Epiphany Prince with 15 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. On the opposite side, we had Kayla McBride, 20 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. Nikolina Milic at 11 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Ariel Powers at 10 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal. Then off the bench, we had Jessica Shepard, 12 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block. As well as off the bench, we had Rachel Bannum at 9 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. So let's get stuck into our percentages then. What do they look like? We have a bit of a low number for the Storm at 38.4%. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in depth in a minute. Then we have the Lynx on the opposite side at the number of 51.5%. The Storm's three-point percentage actually is pretty great at 44.4%, whilst the Lynx was at 316 Rebounds, we actually slightly out-rebounded them by two. We had 35 rebounds compared to the Lynx's 33. The Lynx just got a slight edge in the assist ratios with the Storm at 24 compared to the Lynx at 27. And we were dead even on steals at five apiece. So, what can we say for the next game? Let's keep up that three-point percentage. Let's keep up the rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. However, we do need to work on this field goal percentage. 
And this is where, as I was saying at the start of the episode, this is where we can see a pseudo fact that clearly is coming in. Why is that? Because if we look at the last three games, which all included Sue, what were the field goal percentages of those games? We have 55.2%, 46.8%, and those are both games versus the Wings, and then we have versus the Dream at 41%. So we have ultimately a sewer fact, as we were starting to build up in the episode, in which sue allows for all that movement inside and allows for all those great offensive plays to be made in which it shows through the field goal percentages being so much higher when sue is there that it really brings the storm overall into being a top five team why do i say that because the top five teams are precisely at 44 percent and above so we ultimately say, well, that's the impact is Sue Bird being there and not being there is that the storm would slip underneath that top five with Sue not being there, but then Sue actually there and well and healthy. We have the storm as that top five team. The impact to Sue cannot be understated, therefore, at that point. So that about wraps up our discussion of the game versus the Minnesota Lynx. Feel free to drop me an email at my address at seattlestormpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to tweet me hello and follow me on Twitter at seattlestormpod. And I will see everyone for our next game versus the Connecticut Sun after the game on the Saturday as the game takes place on the Friday the 17th of June.